I'm glad to see you this morning. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and so I'm going to light our first candle. I know you can't see it today very well because of the elements of the Lord's Supper that we'll participate in later, but we'll light one of those candles each week uh, as we anticipate uh, the celebration of the Incarnation at Christmas time. Uh, that's what Advent is all about, kind of this anticipation of that great celebration. And this year, we're going to spend these weeks leading up to Christmas focusing on some loaded theological words um, that are themes, really, of Christmas time. Each week, we're going to watch a video like that from the Bible Project guys that I highly recommend. You should check them out on YouTube. They have some great material. And then we will spend some time in different passages in God's Word that flesh out the theme. And today is obviously peace. And this will help us celebrate the birth of Jesus and not only celebrate the birth of Jesus, but celebrate what he has accomplished through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. So like I said, today we're going to focus on peace. The Bible Project guys rightly point out that it's about much more than just the mere absence of conflict, but rather the establishment of harmony, unity, and friendship. In fact, today we're going to see three big ideas from two biblical texts. First, we'll talk about the vertical aspect of peace, what it means to have peace with God. Secondly, we'll talk about the horizontal aspect of peace, what it means to have peace with one another. And then thirdly, we will talk about our ministry of peace, the obligation of those who know this peace to be ministers of peace. Let's pray together before we dive into the text. Father, we are thankful for peace that comes through Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And we pray that you will help us today, even four weeks before Christmas, to celebrate as we anticipate that big day. We pray that you'll open our eyes to the glories of the cross and what you have accomplished for us through your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Do you have your Bible this morning? Good. You need to go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. So the next few weeks will be a little bit different than what we're used to. We're not just starting at chapter 1 of a book and plowing through verse by verse, word by word. Or rather, we're going to take these Christmas time themes uh, and, and look at them from various texts. And then at the first of the year, we will look in 1 Kings at the life of Elijah. Today we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23 first, and then we'll move on to a text in Ephesians later on. Let's read together, though, Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. God's Word says, He, as a reference to Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Although you were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, and engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him, holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, 
and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now, the first thing that I want us to see in this text is that apart from Jesus, in our natural state, we are at enmity with God. Apart from Jesus, in our natural state, we are at enmity with God. We see it in this text in verse 21 when he says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. We need to recognize that that's who every person on the planet is in their natural state apart from Christ. Alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. We, we see the same truth all throughout Scripture, specifically in Ephesians chapter 2. In fact, if you want to, you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians 2 and like stick a bookmark in Colossians 1 and Ephesians 2. Or you can look at it on the screen. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among them we all lived in, once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We see that in our natural state, apart from Christ, we are at enmity with God. We see it clearly in Romans chapter 5 when Paul says that those who are redeemed used to be enemies of God. Let me say it like this. The Bible is clear. Apart from Christ, in our natural state, we are at odds with God. We are at war with God. There is not peace. There's not even neutrality between us and God. There is bitter conflict between us and God in our natural state. We are hostile toward him because of our sinfulness. We love darkness and hate light in our natural state. And he is hostile to us because of his holiness. He cannot tolerate sin. He must punish sin. So apart from Christ, in our natural state, we are at odds with God. There is no peace with God apart from Christ. That's point number one. But point number two is that God brings peace between us and himself through his son, Jesus Christ. This is good news, right? We see this in the text in Colossians in verse 20 and 22, when Paul says, And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And then in verse 22, he says, Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. What I mean here is that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he brings us into peaceful relationship with God. How, you might ask? Three big theological ideas. How Jesus brings us into peace with God through his death, burial, and resurrection. First is the theological concept of propitiation. Write that down, propitiation. That is a great gospel word. Propitiation is the idea that Christ died for our sins. It's the idea that God is holy. He is holy, holy, holy. He is completely righteous and completely just, and we are sinful. Sinful, sinful, sinful. And the Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. And because God is holy, sinners should die. Now, Jesus... Unlike us, he never sinned. All of us in this room have sinned, right? And every other person that's ever walked the face of the earth 
has sinned except for Jesus. He never sinned, and yet he died. Why? Because he took our sin upon himself, and he suffered in our place as our substitute. He died for us as our substitute, and in his death, the wrath of God against sin is satisfied. That's the idea of propitiation. That in the death of Jesus, the wrath of God against the sin of man is satisfied. It is poured out. The last drop is poured out. God's hostility, his enmity toward us in the form of wrath is satisfied in the death of Jesus. And therefore, we are brought into peace with God through the death of Jesus. That's propitiation. Second is imputation. How does Jesus bring us into peace with God? Through imputation. This is where when we trust in Jesus, his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus, is credited to us as a gift by God's grace. We are no longer counted as guilty sinners in the courtroom of God. Rather, we are declared righteous. And not just a little righteous, and not even potentially righteous, but fully righteous with the righteousness of Christ. And therefore, there is peace with God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and his righteousness imputed to us, credited to us. We are at peace with God through Jesus Christ. And thirdly, adoption. Propitiation, imputation, and adoption. And this is the glorious truth that not only is this legal declaration made when we trust in Jesus, there is also a relational change that we experience. We are welcomed as his children. This is what theologians call adoption. We who were once God's enemies are welcomed into his family as sons. And this is huge. And this is the idea of peace. This is the idea of wholeness. No longer is there enmity, but by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we are welcomed in as his children. Not as enemies, and not even just as friends, but his beloved children. We saw this in Galatians chapter 4, and Laura referenced it just a little while ago. Galatians 4, starting in verse 4, says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, listen to this, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So God brings peace between us and himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And we need to see clearly throughout the Bible that this gift of peace is received by us through faith. It is by believing. We see this even in the text in Colossians. Look at it in verse 22. <coughs> Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Notice, he says, if you continue in the faith firmly established. And I want to emphasize here, at this point, the ongoing nature of faith. Like the question today is not, did you believe in Jesus? The question today is, do you believe in Jesus? Because it's through believing in Jesus that our peace with God comes, that we experience this peace with God. Colossians, I mean, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 speaks this truth in a very simple way. 
It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in the hope, in hope of the glory of God. So this vertical peace between us and God is the primary emphasis of the day today. And it is the primary emphasis really of every day, especially here at Christmas time. But there is a secondary implication of this that I also want us to see, and we'll see it more clearly in Ephesians chapter 2. So go to Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll talk about how this vertical peace that we who were once enemies of God can become his children through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We will see that this also brings us into peace with one another. Ephesians chapter 2, let's start reading in verse 11. Verses 1 to 10 are dynamite, you should check them out, but let's start reading in verse 11. God's word says, Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached grace to you who were far away, and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. So here we see that there is not just a vertical peace that is established through the cross, there is a horizontal peace between us that is established. And the first thing that I want to see from this text is that apart from Christ, in our natural state, we are at odds with our neighbors. We are at war, really, with our neighbors. Now, in this text in Ephesians 2, Paul is referring to the tension between Jews and Gentiles. From a Jewish perspective, in the first century, there were only two kinds of people. There were Jews, on the one hand, who were descendants of Abraham, and there were Gentiles, on the other hand. That's everybody else. Everybody who's not a descendant of Abraham is a Gentile. And these two groups didn't get along. There was enmity, strife, alienation, hostility. There was no peace between Jews and Gentiles in the first century. And now, there were other divisions in those ancient days. There were divisions between slaves and free men. There were divisions between rich folks and poor folks. There were divisions between male and female. And today, there are millions of things that divide us apart from Christ. Wouldn't you agree? We are divided by race. We are divided by income. We are divided by education. We are divided by geography. We are divided by our interests, our hobbies, and our preference. And we are divided by our politics, are we not? How many of you stumbled into that division at Thanksgiving last week? 
We, we are divided in so many ways. And the bottom line, which is clear for all of us to see, is that apart from Christ, there is conflict between men. Let's establish that. That's point number one. Point number two that we need to see in this text is that not only does Christ bring us into peace with God vertically, He also brings us into peace with one another. Look at it in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 13. He says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's a reference to vertical reconciliation. For He Himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it, that is the cross, having put to death the enmity. I want you to see that Jesus breaks down the barriers that would separate us. Maybe I can say it like this. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you, if you have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and I have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, then we have the most important thing in common. We may differ in every other conceivable way, but we can be together because of the gospel. We might be of a different race, we might be of a different background, we might speak a different language, we might have every other difference in the world, but if we have common faith in Jesus Christ, we can be together because of the gospel. Our identity as one who is in Christ should eclipse every other identity we have. For me, that means I am not primarily a husband. I'm not primarily a dad or a pastor, or a white guy, or an American. I am primarily a Christian. And that identity overwhelmingly eclipses all the other identities I have. And if we will live with Christianity as our primary identity, that will bring us together. That will break down those other things that keep us apart and will bring us together. We saw this in Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 25. Look what it says. But now that faith has come... We are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Right? That's talking about this vertical peace that we have. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now let me stop there and say, if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, you're not a son of God. And if we don't have common faith in Jesus Christ, we'll never have really peace with, with each other. But if we have common faith with, in Jesus Christ, we must have peace with one another. <coughs> he says... You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. The point here is that Jesus brings us together with others who have been redeemed by grace through faith. Despite a million other things that might keep us apart. And when we're talking about peace here, we're talking about real peace. Not the mere absence of conflict, not mere tolerance of one another, but he brings us together as family. Remember we talked about adoption? When we talked about vertical peace, we talked about adoption, that God welcomes us in as his children. Well, he also brings us together, therefore, as brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters who really love each other, who even like each other, who enjoy spending time together. Why? Because we have the same father. We have the same father and we have a new spirit. He 
has accomplished this peace through his death and resurrection. And we must pursue this peace, especially within the local church. We need to pursue a life of peace with one another in the local church. So through faith in Jesus, those who were at war with God have been brought into peace with him. And through faith in Jesus Christ, those of us who are at war with one another have been brought into peace with one another because of Jesus. And therefore, those of us who enjoy this peace are privileged to be ministers of that peace. Make sense? If, if I know peace with God, and I know peace with my brothers and sisters in Christ, I need to be a minister of that peace to others. And I do that vertically through the proclamation of the gospel. I'm a minister of vertical peace as I proclaim the gospel message to my neighbors and to the nations. We saw this in Colossians at the end of the text <coughs> in verse 23 when he says, If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not move away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Those of us who have peace with God have an obligation to spread that peace to others, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others can believe in Jesus Christ and experience peace with God. We see this clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 4. Read this with me on the screen. Paul says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation, namely that God in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us a word of reconciliation. Therefore, listen to this, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's our ministry, folks. If we have peace with God, we have a ministry of peace through proclaiming the gospel. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And I want to beg that today. If you are at war with God, and he is at war with you. You are in your natural state, apart from Christ, at enmity with God. I'm begging you, be reconciled to God today through Jesus Christ, who died for you and rose again, who took the punishment you deserve and offers you the gift of peace with God through faith in him. It's a wonderful gift, and I beg you to receive it today. That's what our ministry of peace looks like vertically. We proclaim the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. And we have a ministry of peace horizontally as well. We pursue peace here at First Baptist Church. We pursue peace, not just the absence of conflict and not mere toleration of one another, but family life here in the local church. We also pursue that peace within the global church. We pursue friendships and network, brotherhood with brothers and sisters that we haven't met yet. 
brothers and sisters that have a different language than us and a different custom and a different tradition, but the same Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe a secondary application is that we pursue peace within our, our community, even with those who don't trust in Jesus Christ. As far as it depends on us, let us live at peace with all men. So let's pursue peace even in our community. We who have been given peace, we who have been brought into peace, have a ministry of peace. Does this make sense? Vertically and horizontally. So here's the application. Are you at peace with God or are you at war with God? Basically, that question is the same as are you trusting in Jesus Christ? Are you resting your full weight on Him? If so, you're at peace with God. If not, you're at war with Him. And He will win that war. And I'm inviting you today, if you, if you will admit that you are at war with God, there is peace to be had through faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, are you at peace with man or are you at war with them? Are you seeing your primary identity as in Christ Jesus? And the application here really is at First Baptist Church Harrisburg, especially at Christmas time. Let's come together. Let's come together because of Jesus. Let's not let all those million other things that might drive us apart tear us, but rather let's see Jesus as our common Savior, Jesus as our common Lord, God the Father as our common Father, and let's come together. Let, let, let's, let's have a season of peace here at Christmas time through Jesus Christ. And then finally, the application is, are you a minister of peace? Are you pursuing peace in the local church? And are you proclaiming the gospel to your neighbors and the nations? If you enjoy that peace, you want to spread that peace, right? And the best way to spread the peace of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ is by preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel at work, preaching the gospel at school, preaching the gospel at your lunch table, getting on a plane and going to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel, to spread the peace of God that only comes through Jesus. In a little while, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And this is a great way for us to remember and celebrate our peace with God. Our peace with God that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Our peace with God that comes because of his body and blood that was given for us. And it's a great way also to celebrate the peace that we have with one another because of Jesus. And we're going to serve one another the bread and the cup that help us remember the body and blood of Jesus. And we're going to serve one another as this being the center of our unity with one another, right? The peace that we have with one another really comes through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we sing in just a minute, I want you to begin preparing your heart, if you're a believer, to take the supper. I want you to ponder this picture that just kind of happened by accident here as we had to rearrange some things on the platform. Usually this statue and these candles are on the table. This statue of, of Joseph and Mary looking down at baby Jesus. I think it's interesting that from where you're sitting today, you can't see baby Jesus. What it looks like is Mary and Joseph pondering the elements of the Lord's Supper. Maybe that's a profound picture, that Christmas is not just about a baby in a manger. Christmas is about a crucified Savior and a risen Lord, all of which we will celebrate as we take the elements in a little while. Let's stand together and pray. Father, you're good to us, good, good to give us this time together to sing, to give, to pray, to hear from your word. You're good to give us Jesus, 
who died and rose again so that we could be at peace with you. We who were at war with you could be at peace with you. Could be adopted as your children, forgiven of our sins, declared righteous. We thank you for peace that comes through Jesus Christ. Peace with you and peace with our brothers and sisters. And we want to be faithful ministers of that peace by preaching the gospel and by pursuing unity in the local church. Help us now to respond to your word. Help us to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Pray for men and women and boys and girls who are lost in this room. They're at war with you. Hostility marks their relationship with you. Pray that you will be the one who brings peace to them today. That you will reach down and rescue and redeem. That you'll give men and women and boys and girls faith to trust in Jesus Christ and repentance to turn away from sin and walk in faithfulness. We pray that you get the glory as you redeem and save and make peace. In Christ's name we pray.